according to new research, negative mental health is not only from external forces. And as children head back to school, there are things you can do right now to set them up for good mental health. Here to talk about those strategies is Nicole Racine, clinical psychologist and assistant professor at University of Ottawa. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Raji. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here just before school is supposed to start. But I think a lot of parents are going to be having conversations, uh, myself included, with their kids uh, in the next two days as they gradually get uh, going here with the new school year. And you write about the ways that we can, you use the word inoculate, the ways that we can inoculate kids with thinking about scenarios that might be stressful for them before those events even happen. Can you talk to us about what you mean by all that? Yeah, so this was actually, it was a collaborative piece where three child psychologists, we all came together and we thought, you know what, we want to give parents and families up front the tools before they head back to school um, that most people end up in our office um, in order before they're able to actually get those tools. And a lot of the time there are things that um, families can do in advance that um, really help reduce stress for kids and also promote their mental health um, going into the school year and throughout the school year. And back to school is a nice time to revisit those things and to prioritize them. Yeah, so you kind of say that we should talk to kids about these potentially stressful situations before they happen. And I think some people, some parents might think, no, no, avoid it. If everything's fine, it's fine. We shouldn't talk about what might be stressful. Yeah, and I think what we know is that actually, and, you know, it's interesting because we might think as parents, well, you know, we want to avoid that. But even for adults, if we're prepared and we know what situations are coming up, how we might deal with them, how we might problem solve, we actually tend to feel a lot better and more relaxed about them. And we're not caught off guard and feeling bad about it. Instead, we feel like we have a plan. And so we really encourage parents to um, have conversations with their kids about, you know, the big and small worries. And those can be for kids as young as three and four who are going into kindergarten, uh, you know, helping, even talking through uh, what the schedule of the day might look like. What are some things they can expect? And then when they come home from their first day of school, you can compare notes. You know, was it what they anticipated? Was it not? What were the things that were better? What were the things that maybe weren't so great? And just open up those conversations. You write in your latest article in the conversation that social connections are very important for kids' mental health. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so we know that um, during the pandemic, social connections were something that actually for kids, especially as it relates to school, suffered. And this makes things really hard. Um, And here we're talking about not just social connections that uh, occur with friends, uh, which are really important, but within the home. And so there are a lot of opportunities when uh, parents can connect with their kids. And it's often in the moments, you know, um, at the dinner table, um, commuting, you know, in the car, on the walk home, could be right before bed, but it's an opportunity to kind of have a check-in and um, to have conversations about what's going on uh, for your child. And then even also to share too, they might ask you how your day was or how things are going for you. And you can share um, in an appropriate way about how things are going and how you cope with things that are hard. We all know that worries are inevitable and that even children have them. So how do you suggest kids can cope with the big and the small worries that they have about going back to school? Yeah, so I think one of the you know things that we always say is you got to name it to tame it. So and worry can be totally out of control until you actually you know name what it is. 
And then once you label it, you know, we say really acknowledge that, validate it and say, oh, you know, I can really appreciate why you would feel that way. And then, you know, you can move into um, being able to have conversations about, well, you know, how likely is it that worry, that worry might happen? Um, you know, is there any evidence that it might actually happen? And, and if that worry did happen, what would you do? Uh, and that can really help uh, take away some of the power of those worries. Yeah. And then some of the worries are legitimate. A lot of kids go to school and encounter every classroom has them, somebody who uh, is mean. And that happens at every single age. What is your recommendation for how children should deal with someone who is being deliberately rude and excluding them, but not not quite bullying, just doing things that basically a teacher wouldn't bother to intervene about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's important to have conversations about that and to be able to have conversations with our kids and to guide them and coach them on what to do. Uh, certainly, you know, I think um, helping children to, um, you know, be assertive around what they need. So, for example, if someone's teasing or doing something they don't like to verbalize and say, um, you know, I-, I don't like that or I don't like it when you do that. Um, and then helping them to think about, you know, what's a way that they can redirect or maybe exit that situation or distract themselves or play with somebody else. And we always encourage kids, um, especially in situations that might be, um, you know, uh, might involve bullying, um, that it's important to communicate to an adult about it. And, you know, more importantly, I think it's important for adults and kids' lives to be aware of uh, these types of situations and when they're happening and to encourage classroom environments and dynamics um, that are respectful and positive. Finally, all the research shows us that getting your feelings out, getting them off your chest, not bottling them up inside so that they give you anxiety, all that getting it out is good for your mental health, including for children's. But we still have so much stigma around it. So I wonder, you know, when people, for example, they'll call into to this show and they'll say, hey, why do kids need to talk about their feelings? What's the big deal? That's a comment I've heard from listeners on several occasions. Why is there still so much stigma around trying to improve mental health? Yeah, you know, I think some of this is it's very, it's historical, right? We have generations of people where it was kind of like grin and bear it. Um, this isn't something you do, you don't know, talk about uh, your about your feelings and well-being, but certainly I think in this day and age um, that, you know, more and more it is the case. And and I think it's it's an opportunity not only for um, kids to receive guidance and coaching from the adults who love them in their life, but the kids also learn about themselves and can develop the skills that they need down the line um, to be able to, you know, self-regulate and support themselves in a way that can actually prevent mental health difficulties later. So it's it's more, um, you know, we teach kids how to ride a bike, we teach them you know, how to open a can and how to support with making dinner and things like that. It's the same thing. Uh, We're just teaching them about um, the feelings and emotions they have, how to deal with them and how to engage and interact with others. That's great. Thanks for those tips, Nicole. You're most welcome. Have a great weekend. 